The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulon Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, it was so uncomfortable and it was so stressful, but I was constantly thirsty. I had this excessive thirst. So I remember I'd be downing pint after pint after pint of water. And it was almost like I wasn't drinking anything. This thirst just couldn't be quenched. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon, good morning, good night. I don't necessarily know what time of day it is, but I hope you had a fantastic week. Welcome back to the second episode of the Insulone Podcast with myself, Owen Costello, where I'm trying to redefine diabetes. So last week, basically, it was the introduction and I wanted to tell you and try and summarize briefly what diabetes actually is and I wanted to differentiate between type 1 and type 2. I think it was important for me to try and separate the two and I know they're they're related and they have similar signs and symptoms but the severity of each one and let's say the causes can be quite different. So I hope I cleared that up for you. So I'm back today for number two and i'm lucky enough to have mr graham with me here yes hello and uh delighted to be back for episode two. Oh, and thanks for inviting me back no problem it's an absolute pleasure <laughs> however i gotta call you out first ah, of all stop. i gotta call you out because last week you were telling us i'm always prepared always prepared i am setting up my own podcast because i want to redefine diabetes well let me tell you that the man sitting across me has forgotten his blood sugar machine and his insulin. <laughs> the whole thing. What's going on? Uh, thanks for bringing that up. I was hoping to, to avoid that. Here's me last week saying, oh, no, I'm fantastic yeah. at managing my diabetes. I never forget anything. So right uh, now, so, yeah, we, thanks, we are thanks about, for bringing it up. We're about a 45-minute to an hour journey with traffic, because it is evening time now in Dublin, to get to my house <laughs> where your insulin is. What does this mean? means I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, well, I really hope you don't because <laughs> I only did first aid maybe about when I was 12, so I don't really remember too much of it. I'm in safe hands. <laughs> so what does it mean? Like, how often do you check your blood sugars? Yeah, so generally I will check my blood sugar 
anywhere from five to time f- five to two, five to ten times a day, depending on what I'm eating, uh, how active I am, if I'm going to the gym. You know, it, it it varies from day to day, but I always try and try and check as much as possible just to be safe. Well. Let's talk about the topic we're going to discuss this week because last week it was just letting us know what diabetes was, the difference between type 1 and type 2. What are you going to concentrate on this week? So this week I'm going to get a bit more personal about it. I'm going to delve into the story of my diagnosis, the signs and symptoms, how it was noticed, how we picked up on it, the red flags that I did or didn't see. It will sound very, very familiar to you because if you are diabetic and you're listening, the chances are you have experienced some of, if not all of the same symptoms I did. Generally, all type 1 diabetics will have the same symptoms. It can just be over a different space of time or under different circumstances. So how old were you when you had your diagnosis? So I was 19. And what was your life like Around that time, so you were in your late teens, were you just a, an average teenager playing sports, going to school, going with girls? Yeah, so I was off school at the time, it was the, the Christmas holidays. But yeah, I was 19, my whole life I've been into sport and staying healthy and I always kind of prioritised my health. I always was watching what I was eating. I just wanted to stay fit. I was just, I was active and I was always moving, you know? Yeah. So as a 19-year-old who's active and who's off school and is going to bars with friends. The drinking age in Ireland is 18, by the way, just to clarify. Uh, going to bars, restaurants, spending time with family. The word diabetes didn't even cross my mind. The only quote-unquote education about diabetes I had received would have been from movies or TV shows, you know, where you see the stereotypical diabetic of somebody who's overweight and unfit me to see that is like that's that's never going to happen to me that's something I never have to worry about because I look after my health So what was the first red flag that you thought alright something's up here So the one that always stands out to me it was so it was so uncomfortable and it was so stressful but I was constantly thirsty I had this excessive thirst so I remember I'd be standing by the sink at home I remember like it was just yesterday downing pint after pint after pint of water and it was almost like I wasn't drinking anything because this thirst just couldn't be quenched so I had excessive thirst obviously as a result of me drinking loads of water I was running to the bathroom every 20-30 minutes I lost weight over say the two three four weeks leading up to it now obviously you know yourself Graham you see yourself every day so if it's a physical change in your appearance you don't necessarily notice it it's not overnight so the weight loss I didn't really notice because it was more gradual Did anybody around you notice it sending to you? The one time that somebody did say it to me was it was actually Christmas day I I was down in mass as I as I do <laughs> a good catholic boy <laughs> the the one time every year like so I was down there and I bumped into a friend who I hadn't seen in a while before we even basically had said our hellos she kind of alarmingly blurted out you look you look really different and I I didn't even know what she meant I I I said how how do you mean she goes I don't know you just look different and then she kind of almost tried to like retract the statement as if I may have been offended. Yeah. Now, looking back on it, it was obviously because I had lost so much weight 
and she noticed but I didn't notice okay and I think now because she knew I was into kind of going to the gym and staying healthy and fit maybe she didn't want to sound offensive to me okay so what was the last straw was it your decision to go to the doctor or did somebody make you go yeah so I was, I was basically made by my parents coming from a, a loving yeah, place a place of love yeah absolutely so yeah, like any any of the dehydration I would have had, I tried to rationalize as the fact that I was out the night before and I was out late having a few pints and I was dehydrated because of that and that's why I was so thirsty. But my parents were obviously silently worried or concerned, so they tried to, well, they basically suggested that I go down to the GP and get a checkup or an, a body NCT as my dad says. And did they suspect diabetes? I think my mother did more so than my dad. Now, she claims that she did now because the two of I knew, I knew. (laughs) So, yeah, I think they, I think they must have had an inkling. They had a way of kind of urgently giving me the push to go down to the GP to get a checkup and a blood test without making me worried or concerned. Mm. You know what I mean? Because as a 19-year-old off school for a couple of weeks, the only thing I was worrying about was how many days left I had until I went back to school. Yeah. So basically went down to the GP. I was kind of going, oh, right, I'll go down just to keep my parents happy and reassure them that I'm fine. You know what I mean? I'm an invincible 19-year-old that keeps himself fit. How naive I was. Mm. So I went down, got a blood test, and it was a few days later, um, I was woken up, I had been out the night before and I was woken up to a phone call and I didn't have the, the number saved on my phone, but I answered anyway. Basically, it was my GP on the phone and he says, is this on? I said, it is, who's this? He goes, this is Dr. Beep. And he said, you have diabetes and you need to go to the hospital as soon as possible. Oh, so they know straight away. Yeah, that they would have done a blood test and my yeah. blood sugar would have went through the roof. You have to waken up, you've got a hangover. You, you don't want to hear this bad news. What's going through your head now? My first thought was, was I still dreaming? The word diabetes was something that I never would have even thought to associate myself with. I knew nothing about it. I still had this stereotypical, ill-informed opinion that all diabetics are overweight and it's because they've bad lifestyle. So yeah, I, was, I didn't really... Did you believe him? Yeah, I did. I was on the phone for maybe 30 seconds. He just said, you need to go to the hospital as soon as you can. There's a diabetic clinic in, it was Lockmanstown that I went to. He goes, you need to go. So I was like, okay, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So basically went into my parents and I said, I'm off the phone with doctor and I have diabetes. And then that was kind of it. What was the reaction? They seemed as surprised as I was, but they obviously weren't because they must have had some sort of form of thought that I may be diabetic. And would they have been aware of the differences between type 1 and type 2? Would they have kind of known, well, obviously, it's not always got to do with your lifestyle. A type 1 can come and just... They would have had a vague idea, but not to the extent that I hope they do now. Yeah, They would have thought, they probably would have linked the two, you know. Well, yeah. So what was the car journey like then to uh, to the hospital? Barely remember. Yeah. 
barely remember. You got in. What was the first thing they did? Was it so? Was it kind of a lot of franticness going around the place? No, it was it was pretty calm to be honest. Because I I still was in this mindset of I have absolutely no idea what's going on right now. I have no idea what I have to do tomorrow or the next day or the next week or will this wear off or can I reverse this or whatever it is. So I'd say I went into the clinic and I must have had like a five minute briefing to basically like the the doctor was saying, okay, this is what it is. Kind of tried to lay it all out to me very, very, very briefly. And then within 15 minutes, I was in a hospital bed on a drip because my blood sugar was dangerously, dangerously high. So to put it into perspective, I was less than 48 hours away from a coma. So I'll just calculate it right now. So they would have checked my blood sugar. For Irish people, that blood sugar reading I had was 38. Now I said last week that that's a healthy range between 4 and 8. Mine was 38. And for people in America... So 684 was my reading. Now, that's probably like me speaking a different language to you. It means nothing yeah, to you. Yeah, but if the average is between four and eight and you are nearly you're like eight, yeah. nine times yeah, above they that, said, they said, that's not good. No, but see, I only went in because my doctor had told me. If I had waited, they said if I had waited another day or two, I would have been in a coma, full stop. Do the doctor, doctors come over and talk to you and talk you through what you have to do now in the rest of your life? Do they explain that this is going to be with you now forever? Or what happens then? I was in the hospital for, I think, the whole weekend then. I think this happened on like a Friday morning and I didn't get out of hospital to maybe Tuesday. I was in the bed the whole time really with the drip. They need to rehydrate me and stuff. A doctor and or nurse would have come over to brief me and enlighten me on how my new life was going to be and what it entailed. But a lot of the time, actually, yeah, it was funny. (laughs) They, They would have to obviously administer insulin. And I hadn't been informed on how to do it myself yet because I didn't even know what it was so every two or three hours a nurse would come up to me and inject a syringe of insulin into me and wake me up in the night because they had to steadily bring my blood sugar back down so I was waking up to this one injecting me with a big syringe and I'm just like what is going on here little did you know you'd be doing that for the rest of your life yeah there you go and you know what's funny well it's not funny but (laughs) like just talking about it now I have told that story so many times and I've kind of like become desensitized to the emotion I felt around it. And I think even now, the fact that I'm speaking into a microphone and speaking to you, like, it was really, really hard. Mm. Could you accept it? I had were, to. Were they yeah. were they explaining it to you as to like what it actually was, or were you just was it just pure panic? It was kind of a bit of everything. Like I, I knew I knew that I, I knew that my life had after speaking to a few of the nurses and the doctors, I knew that my life had changed forever. That's just the way it is. This is now a new life that I have to live, and it's just tough luck. You have to get over it. Um, but initially, yeah, it was tough. It was really hard trying to come to terms with it for like maybe the first day in the hospital. But then when everything was explained to me, I 
kind of very quickly came to terms with it. I've always been somebody that I don't ever want to feel sorry for myself, no matter what the situation is. And this was kind of like a test of that. So I was sitting in a hospital bed and I knew that I just had to take this on the chin because it wasn't as a result of something I had done. It was just something I had to stand back up from. And I knew that I'd be able to deal with it. It can be tough and it was tough and it still is tough, but just have to take it on the chin. You can't, you can't lie down and feel sorry for yourself. So you were there for a few days. Who came in to visit you? Like, was your family coming in and out? And what was the reaction to it? Yeah, I had, oh, there's always one story that comes to my head, which is so funny. So obviously I had oh, like my parents and cousins and stuff that came in to visit me and to see, to see if I was okay. But I have two older brothers and thankfully the three of us have always grown up with a, with a uh, sort of black sense of humor, mm. I guess. Um, so my two older brothers basically had got the news that their dear young brother had been diagnosed with diabetes and he's now in a hospital bed. So the two of them arrive up to my hospital room with bags of sweets and bottles of Coke (laughs) to basically say, there you go for the diabetic. (laughs) Now it was great and I found it hilarious. You know what I mean? And I loved it. But yeah, I suppose that kind of took some of the, the heat out of it. I suppose that goes with the stereotype of what they probably thought diabetes was, that they were bringing you the sweets and the sugary drinks and everything, thinking, oh, well... This is why I got diabetes. And they had no clue that this was actually type 1 and type 2. And they probably didn't even know those two different types. Of course, yeah. They knew as little as I knew. Now, all my family, I hope that they are experts now with the fact that I've had it for so long. But yeah, type 1, just flick of a switch. You get it or you don't. It's not as a result of anything you have done. You can't feel sorry for yourself or not feel sorry for yourself, but you can't feel guilty, almost. But yeah, they strolled in. <laughs> it's like bags of Skittles and Coke and all this sort of thing, so it was funny. Did you eat them? No, I didn't. <laughs> I think the two of them ate them by the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and when you left and you were now on Coslo with diabetes, did people's attitude towards you change? Yeah, everybody was understanding. There was an initial feeling of sympathy towards me, which drove me up the wall I never had and I never do want anybody to feel sorry for me with anything about diabetes I appreciate the concern and I know it comes from a good place but I don't like when people have sympathy for it you know it's sort of, I appreciate empathy but no yeah people were understanding they knew that it was a huge lifestyle change and they were very curious about the whole thing they wanted to ask me loads of questions and what does this mean what do you have to do for this or you know, they were kind of, my family were kind of learning at the same time as I was. And did you know what it would entail for the future? Like, how did you adapt your daily routine for what has been the last, what, eight, nine years? Eight, nine years. I knew to an extent. I didn't know to what extent and to how much detail my life was going to change. There were a lot of new aspects introduced to my life, let's say, that had to be managed well, that had to be treated with its deserved severity. You know what? Next week, I'm going to go through a full day in the life as a diabetic. And I'm going to explain an average day for me from the time I wake up 
to the time I close my eyes at night. And you'll see how much detail it is and how lucky you are, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Insulon podcast. Make sure to subscribe so each episode goes directly to your phone. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Insulon. And if you have any question you'd like answered on the podcast, you can email it to theinsalonepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>